High end over end variety. And Amati from his 45. He's got a lane. And he's got speed. Look out. Beep, beep. The Ducks are in the end zone. Touchdown. This is the Duck Pod from the Register Guard Newsroom. Gordon head to head for sure. Mitchell goes in motion. They hand it off. Oregon sports beat writers Ryan Thorburn and Steve Mims. All right, we're back. Steve Mims, Ryan Thorburn here for our Friday episode of the Duck Pod as Oregon prepares for their home opener against Nevada. Steve, how do you think the uh, players responded and, and certainly the coaches as well to that Auburn loss this week from what you could gather uh, covering practice? We don't get to see practice anymore. So by covering practice, you mean talking to people. Um, I didn't notice anybody who uh, seemed to be talking about Auburn or kind of bringing it up. You know, I think you kind of look and see if people are kind of bringing it up on their own. But um, a couple of questions about it that everybody talked about, how kind of Sunday they came in and moved forward. didn't seem like there was – like I say, there, there wouldn't feel like it was kind of hanging over the, the three days we were out there talking with players. It just felt like moving on to the next week, although it was a little bit more about the Auburn game then looking ahead to Nevada just because of kind of the impact of the first one. But yeah, it didn't seem anything different to me in terms of whether or not they had gotten over it per se. Yeah. Mario mentioned that all of their goals that they had before the season are still out there. So I assume their main goal is the Rose bowl uh, because the college football playoff, they're going to need a lot of help and they, they have no margin for error now, but leave it to Brady breeze an Oregonian. I was talking to him and he's, and he mentioned the 94 team lost to Hawaii. Yeah. And he's like, I think they lost to some other team. I'm like, yeah, Utah. <laughs> and he's like, they went to the Rose Bowl. So uh, I think the Oregon Ducks know that this could still be a special season. They could still win the Pac-12. They could still go to the Rose Bowl. And, you know, anything beyond that, I think, it is everyone, in everyone's wildest dreams right now. But, you know, that's why you're in a conference. You want, you want to win your conference. And uh, that would be a nice second year for Mario. But certainly – Losing to Auburn still stings if you're a Duck fan and you're looking at that national picture. Yeah, I think most Oregon fans still remember 20 years ago when the Rose Bowl was the goal, you know, and uh, they've been there a few times now since. You know, obviously Chip went a couple times and then Helfrich went and what was the semifinal. So some of that's a little different than maybe, you know, the, the chase for it after being out of it for 40, 50 years. But I do think most fans still look at, hey, the, the you know, the, the goal is to win the Pac-12. And if you do that, you go to the Rose Bowl and see what comes from there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody at this point is projecting that they're going to win their next 11 games and win the Pac-12 title and be in it, which at this point is what it would take. So, yeah, I, I think winning the conference championship, like you say, in year two would really be something. And um, I think that keeps the fans pretty happy. Along those historical lines, it's, it's interesting because – uh, in 2011, Chip Kelly's team lost to an SEC team at AT&T Stadium. Mm-hmm. LSU, the next week, played Nevada, put 69 on them, and actually went to the Rose Bowl and won for the first time in 95 years for the program. So uh, some history they can build upon for for sure. Also lost his first game to Boise State and went to the Rose Bowl that year. That's so right. Actually, most of their last two Rose Bowl, not in kind of the CFP, but literal Rose Bowl started with a loss. So that's the glass half full. Uh, and if you're looking for positives, Oregon has also won 14 straight home openers. They've averaged 57.1 points in those games. They've won 23 consecutive home games against non-conference opponents. Um, just taking a quick look at Nevada. I mean, this is a pretty good Nevada team. As we discussed earlier in the week, they beat Purdue. But uh, I sense uh, Oregon is, is itching to make it 15 straight romps in home openers. 
Yeah, and those home openers have been a lot of nickels in southern Utahs. And I think coming this year, a lot of people just looked at Nevada and kind of glassed it off the same way and thought, well, there comes Nevada from the Mountain West and this and that. And, you know, I, I think, you know, obviously Purdue's not a great program, but beating Purdue and, and kind of coming in at 1-0 with a win like that, I, I think maybe raises a little bit of the attention from Oregon, certainly from the fans a little bit more. And, you know, maybe even creates a little bit more drama on Saturday. I mean, like I say, it felt like coming in, this could be one of those – um, you know, kind of UC Davis type deals where Oregon just kind of pick a score type deal. But, but I think now you expect, especially the way Nevada, I mean, Nevada won that game with a strong finish at the end. I think they scored 24 in the second half, 28 in the second half. Um, so they're coming in feeling pretty good about themselves. And, you know, it's a game, I think, where if Oregon, you know, they make some mistakes or if, you know, they get a couple three and outs back and forth, you could be in a situation where you're in a 14-7 game in the second quarter or something like that. And suddenly the interest level throughout the stands raises back up. The wide receiver unit continues to be a story for the Ducks, and not in a good way. You know, as we've noted, you know, Spencer Webb's playing in the slot, did a good job in the opener. Uh, you might see, you know, more of Patrick Herbert this week. Uh, he didn't play last week, but I think he's a guy you can – even Marcus Royal mentioned he could catch passes. Um, and, and you had some health updates from Mario on Jawan Johnson. It sounds like he's a game-time decision. Certainly that would be a huge boost for them, as well as Cam McCormick. Yeah, and, you know, last week they really thought they were going to have Juwan, and I think that kind of altered some things, the fact that it was so late in the week that he kind of took a step backwards and couldn't go. I still don't expect McCormick to, to really contribute in a lot in the first game he plays. I think the first game he plays, especially considering kind of how physical he plays, um, they probably have him in there on pretty limited sets, I would think, and during the next two weeks to get him ready for a Stanford game being full go. But I think if Juwan's ready to go, I, I think you see as much of him as they can. I think they'd love to see him get out there for as many snaps as he can, uh, get as much chance in, in live action to work with Herbert because they're going to need him to, to be ready to go as we saw last week. So I, I think as soon as he can take the field, I don't think there'll be – anything limited unless they feel like you know there's still some some soreness or some tenderness in there but but i think for the most part once he's ready to go he'll be out there defensively i think oregon's gonna have a great game plan andy avalos you know pretty good debut last week holding up physically against auburn a couple mistakes obviously in that last drive they couldn't get him off but uh andy's a guy who knows nevada well longtime boise state assistant Boise State alum so uh, I think the Ducks will have a pretty good handle on what Nevada's going to do you know Jay Norvell's a good coach he's got Pac-12 experience doesn't seem to be too worried about the Autzen crowd but I think Andy's gonna probably get a pretty good pass rush in this game we might see uh, some of these freshmen turn loose that everyone's so excited about yeah I think you'd see this be cave on Thibodeau's maybe coming out party at Autzen um, Nevada last week threw on about, about well it was about two-thirds of their off and I think they threw 50 times and Ran at about 25. They don't really have kind of a, a bulky feature back. Um, you know, a guy, they've kind of rotated a few guys in last week. It was Toa Chuao, if I'm pronouncing him right, who had 12 carries was the most. Both him and Kelton Moore and, and Jackson Kincaid, the other two running backs, were basically the feature backs last year, like you mentioned, when Avalos took them on and, and kept them to, I think they had 27 points. They only had about 382 yards total in that game. So, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I would think that, you know, the quarterback's new and some of that, but I do think it gives Avalos an, a little bit of advantage, although obviously works for Norvell too, but, although he's seen him in a different school. But I do think that Andy, to, to be able to go and, and look at some film and recognize some names and numbers should be at least a head start on preparations. All right, well, uh, before we know it, it's going to be raining, and you probably need tires, Steve. So (laughs) let's take a break and hear from uh, our sponsor. 
Hi there, it's Les Schwab Tires. You know, we've been helping keep folks safe on the road around here since 1952. That's why you can save up to $152 on a set of four select light truck and SUV tires during our fall tire sale. So swing by or book an appointment at LesSchwab.com. Les Schwab Tires, doing the right thing since 1952. Limited time offer while supplies last. Discount depends on tire size and type. Cannot be combined with other offers. Details at LesSchwab.com. Okay, we are back, and we are going to have uh, debut our new segment, uh, our mailbag segment, where uh, listeners, fans can fire questions at us all week, and we're happy to answer them, uh, whether that's at our email, which is our uh, last name with the uh, first first letter of our first name in front of that, at registerguard.com, or just easier way is to find us on Twitter. We're pretty easy to find if you want to get at us. Uh, most of you are able to do that, uh, especially when we make mistakes. So <laughs> uh, make sure you're keeping us in line. Our first question, Steve, is from Adam Watson via Twitter. Uh, John Neal obviously is back as an analyst this week, and he wants to know, is Coach Neal going to be helping out with game management? <laughs> Good question. I don't think there'll be a lot of game management in it. Uh, we happened to run into John the other day as he came walking out. He looked like his eyes were a little bleary from soon some film study. And kind of the indication he gave is his main deal is sort of focusing on the next opponent, um, kind of getting some X's and O's, getting an advanced look. Uh, you know, he was looking at Nevada this week. Obviously, his attention starts to turn now towards Montana. But um, did he knew Andy Avalos a little bit from recruiting, and he, he thinks Andy was kind of the one who was interested, and, and John was still living in town. So, um, but yeah, the, the main thing he's doing right now is basically advanced, you know, what in baseball you call advanced scout, uh, and just kind of the guy who's looking to, to the next game. So, uh, I don't think after three years off the field, he's going to be suddenly, uh, the one you've got running your or managing your game operations. Yeah. And, and Mario was kind of lukewarm on these rumors. And now that it's officially acknowledged, yeah, we're bringing John Neal on, but this was to me, it felt like something Andy Avalos wanted John to come on and, and take a look. So I wouldn't be surprised it's mostly a defensive look uh, at future opponents. And, and this is something John was doing at UAB the last mm-hmm. few years as an analyst. So he certainly got experience there. And obviously, he's been around this program a long time. So I think it's a really good move for Oregon myself. Uh, you know, they had a list of analysts last week, and that didn't seem to help their game management. And I don't <laughs> think John's can help that either. They just need to, to shore that together in big games. Uh, our second email, uh, or our first, our second question, which was via email, and I'm mostly using this one as a challenge of what not to email me. Uh, we're going to call this guy out. We have Jay Wolfworth emailed me. Uh, he wanted to know about tackling in practice, and he wanted to know if Oregon's playing girl football. And that was a question he had. I'm going to answer the second one. No, they're not. They are playing FBS slash Pac-12 football, but. Uh, do you think Oregon's tackling was a problem in that first game, which is, you know, often a first game problem for some teams? But uh, like I said, I thought Oregon's defense was pretty sound. There was a couple mistakes. They had ten men on for one touchdown, but overall, uh, they looked the part. Yeah, no, I thought so. Especially early, we had talked about, you know, I think even Oregon's acknowledged a little bit that they wore down a little bit late, and obviously that's where tackling can come in there. You know, you you get a hand on a guy, but don't get him down or. Um, but but I thought early on, you know, you may see them rotate a few more guys in, try to keep them a little bit fresher. But um, I, I think if there was a, a tackling issue again, it, it probably came a little bit later as, as they were wearing down. One uh, 
guy who really stood out on defense was Javon Holland, who I wrote about this week. So uh, make sure you check out that story on Javon Holland. I think Oregon has a star in the making right there with that safety punt returner. You know, they were concerned about Ugo Amati's leadership going, but this kid is is special. So uh, I didn't really appreciate Jay's question, so <laughs> I opened up a, a celebrity inbox to kind of see if we could get some people who know what they're talking about to email in. Um, so I'm going to fire some of these that I got from you. All right, uh, you go. haven't seen these, so this will be uh, just Mim's reaction to these. Um, the first one is from Willie <laughs> in Tallahassee, Florida. And Willie wants to know, uh, looks like the Ducks held up pretty well physically against a good SEC team. Uh, what was the secret to that? Did they hydrate? Was it uh, strength and conditioning? What happened? And uh, how positive a sign is that for the Ducks? Well, Willie, uh, yes, there was certainly some hydration. If you've been around the program in the last two years, you'd see there's a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of focus on the strength and conditioning, the off season, and getting everybody ready to go game week through. There's uh, all sorts of hydration available at the practice we see, and even some uh, some treats as they come off that uh, they tend to find. So, I do think that uh, that they felt like they were you know going down into a different environment and. Again, I, I think they tired out a little bit late, but I think that may have been more just kind of, you know, defensively in terms of the number of guys they were playing and, um, you know, the fact that, again, you were down in nice warm temperature down there in a little, little stadium down there in, in AT&T. Yeah, there were two or three series there where Oregon got the ball, and, and I tweeted, you know, is this the series where Justin Herbert and the offense puts this away and they just wouldn't do it, and, and they finally – uh, Oregon's defense finally crumbled at the end there, but it, I, I thought it was more on the offense than the defense that game. Uh, which brings us to the offense. Good question here from Chip in Westwood, California. What happened to Oregon's offense in the second half, and do you have any advice on how to turn things around on offense, asking for a friend? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that even Oregon, you know, Marcus Arroyo said is that the one thing that I think was sort of a criticism that he even agreed with a little bit was just not taking some shots down the field, you know, that they were kind of worried with some of the young guys that they had, you know, you didn't have Juwan out there on the outside and, you know, then Johnny you didn't have a whole lot of experienced guys kind of on the outside to take some shots at and they didn't. Um, you know, I, I think in St. there may have been two passes that went past 15 or past 20 yards. So, um, well, Chip, I think, uh, that Oregon would say that you you need to get a little bit more vertical and, and get some things down the down the uh, down the middle, maybe on the ends, and, and certainly some of that can open up if if Juwan Johnson comes back this week. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't crazy about Marcus's play calling either, and obviously he regrets some things, but I do appreciate the fact that they didn't say, "Oh, well, we were very limited because we have four or five receivers out." They said, "Yeah, we got to do that better." They didn't use it as use it as an excuse. They utilized Spencer Webb. I mean, they're trying. So, uh, you know, I think the offense will get better, obviously, as the season goes on and some of these guys get back healthy. Uh, and our final mailbag question comes from Marcus in Nashville, Tennessee. Is Justin Herbert going to be a better NFL quarterback than some recent Oregon draftees like Akili Smith, Joey Harrington, and others? Well, Marcus, uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, go ahead, Steve. Well, it is an interesting question, and it's also interesting in the sense that a lot of the recent quarterbacks come out here have had kind of uh, some similar personality. I mean, I think Justin Herbert has a lot of Marcus, at least in terms of what we see. Um, you know, it's, it's dealing with the media isn't the favorite thing he does, and he comes out and kind of answers the questions, but does it pretty short and, you know, want one of these people to sit there and really explain kind of X's and O's there. So there are times actually when when I, you know, in an interview situation with Justin where just kind of Marcus does come running back to me, certainly 
completely different body types, completely different, you know, games they play. I, I think the NFL people thought when Marcus came in, wow, this might be where the NFL is trending is towards guys that can do a little bit more with their feet. Uh, and now as Justin Pierce come in next year, I think, you know, Kyler Murray aside, I think most teams are still kind of realizing that, that the drop back guy and, and the strong arms, what they're looking for at that position. Yeah. One of the keys is the fit and where you're drafted, what team you're drafted to, uh, I don't know if this is the same Marcus as Marcus Mariota writing in. I think it is. But, uh, you know, he was so dominant in college, and it's been a disappointment at the next level. But a lot of that is, you know, Tennessee doesn't exactly have a lot of skilled players around him. They have defensive-minded head coaches. Uh, I think Justin has a chance, whereas Marcus was so great in college and has been mediocre in the pros. Justin's been pretty good in college. I think he could be really good in the NFL just based on that size and the brain and everything. I mean, you look at a lot of guys like uh, Ben Roethlisberger and others, they don't come from, you know, great college careers. They just kind of have the physique and and the, and they're kind of built for that level. So it'll be interesting. Uh, I think Justin would be good in the pocket. Um, Oregon's de-emphasized him running the ball. And I think that's a a way to stay healthy and, and have a shot to make it. So good luck, Marcus. And let's take our final break before we look ahead at Saturday's game. Hi, Ryan Thorburn here, sports reporter at the Register Guard. I've covered a lot of your favorite sports memories in recent years. Marcus Mariota being presented the Heisman Trophy in New York. Oregon blowing defending national champion Florida State off the field in the Rose Bowl. Sabrina Ionescu becoming the face of women's college basketball while helping transform the Ducks from Pac-12 afterthought to national powerhouse. No other media company covers Oregon athletics with the depth and quality found at DuckSports.com. But in order for the Register Guard to continue its rich history of local journalism, we need your support. Please subscribe and support our advertisers to help us chronicle the Ducks and take you behind the scenes to create more memories in the years to come. All right, Steve. Saturday, 4.30 p.m., Autzen Stadium, Oregon versus Nevada. Uh, I believe Oregon's a 24-point favorite, so uh, I'm I'm not going at it on a limb. I think they're going to be one-on-one. I think they win this game. Uh, but does it get interesting at any point against the Wolf Pack? Well, this becomes a really interesting podcast next week if they're not one-on-one, I'll tell you that much. But uh, like I say, I said earlier, you know, I, I do see a scenario where they like say if Oregon comes out and, you know, you get a couple three and outs or if they, you know, have a turnover that, you know, we saw it last year against Stanford, you know, a fumble deep in their own territory that goes – 90 yards the other way we saw last week one that went about 84 yards the other way and led to a you know field goal instead of a touchdown but you give up one of those or throw a, a pick six or something like i say and the offense doesn't get going i could see this thing you know getting to halftime at sort of a 21 14 17 10 type of one score game i have a hard time seeing nebraska or nevada sticking with them to the end and you know getting it to where you know the fans are nervous midway through the fourth but i think there could be could be some moments at halftime there where this game's certainly still in doubt yeah, the Mountain West has some nice pelts on the wall already. Yeah. Uh, Wyoming beat Missouri, Boise State beat Florida State, uh, Nevada beat Purdue, and there was one other one. I think Hawaii beat Arizona early on. So uh, Hawaii's got Oregon State late, late Saturday. So uh, the Mountain West's off to a good start. I don't think they get this one, though. I think, uh, like I said, Oregon is going to be one-on-one. They're going to be two-on-one, and then it gets real at Stanford. And based on what I saw in the Pac-12 week one, uh, Stanford and USC, those two road games don't look nearly as daunting as they did, which 
makes you question if that Auburn <laughs> loss is going to come back even to bite Oregon even more if they're really on the cusp of being in that playoff talk. But uh, we'll get to all that down the road. Once again, thanks so much for tuning in to the Duck Pod, and be sure to cover all of our coverage of Oregon, Nevada at DuckSports.com. Thanks.